Welcome to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. Yes, we're live from the Boss Hog Radio Studios in Plant City, Florida. My name is Chip DeBlock, and I'm your host. We're a group of law enforcement professionals that talk about today's news and issues, but we do it from a law enforcement perspective. Let me introduce the crew. Guys, if you don't mind waiting for the video portion of our show, yes, we have. You recognize him. Yes, he's still alive. Lieutenant Randy Sutton from Las Vegas Metro Police Department, also the founder of the Wounded Blue, the WoundedBlue.org. Thanks for being on the show, Randy. Appreciate it. Now, we have Corporal David D. Agresta, affectionately nicknamed by his fan base as the De-Escalator, former, uh, uh, worked for a, a PD, retired, went to an SO, retired from there, so he's got a lot of great experience. Thanks for being on the show, David. Also, a shout-out to our sponsors. We have Motion, DSP, AUFire.com, GallsGunler.com, BlueTheGold.com, MyMedicare.Live, and we're fueled by Bang and by Monster. Now, the new Bang cans are out. This is the peach mango. This is what they look like. So, guys, be watching for it in your neighborhood, in your neck of the woods. Thanks to uh, Monster and Bang for the fuel. Also, a shout-out to Brian Burns for the free press at TampaFP.com for carrying their content. Ray Dietrich, RedVoiceMedia.com. We're streaming to eight locations right now and three of those belong to Red Voice Media with about a million followers just on those three Facebook pages alone. So, thanks to Red Voice Media for helping make that happen. Uh, guys, I know we, we always, I, I say we always have a great lineup. We really do. The main topics have a tendency to be a little bit deeper. And we're going to start off with two main topics. They're kind of related uh, to each other. So the first one's at leoaffairs.com. Pro-Palestinian protesters attempt to climb the White House fence and assault Secret Service agents. Wow. Yeah, this just happened over the weekend, guys. So at a large demonstration in the U.S. Capitol, Capitol Washington on Saturday, tens of thousands of marchers called Freedom for Palestine. Now, the protesters called for a ceasefire in the fighting between Israel and Hamas and for the U.S. to stop aid payments to Israel. Wow. So the organizers said that it was the largest pro-Palestinian demonstration in the history of the United States in which 300,000 people took part in this. Celebrities such as actress Susan Sarandon, no great loss there, and singer uh, Macklemore also took part in this. Official uh, police estimates of the number of participants were not initially available, but after a rally in the afternoon, many demonstrators marched in front of the White House. Now, a journalist from the New York Post published a short video on X, which is, of course, formerly Twitter, showing the demonstrations. The demonstrators, they're shaking the fence in front of the U.S. president's official residence and smearing pillars of the fence gate with handprints and red paint. And they were unable to get access to the White House grounds, though. But, of course, they're trying to get into it with Secret Service agents as well. President Joe Biden was at his speech house in Delaware on Saturday, not even at the White House. That's not a shock to many people either. Uh, the protest was organized by an alliance of civil rights and anti-war groups among the largely peaceful demonstrators. Some stood out with placards referring to the U.S. President Joe Biden as Genocide Joe because he's supporting Israel. And one speaker on stage incited the participants to chant with him, "Is it, it is right to rebel. Israel can go to hell. Wow. There are also reports from other news outlets of protesters damaging monuments in Washington, D.C., taking that opportunity to let that happen. So before we get to our, our, our next main topic, uh, any uh, any surprises or shock on this thing? This is the, the latest news just over the weekend, guys. 300,000 people. Can you believe it, Randy? No, I can't believe it. I, I am, I'm still incredulous that uh, that many people um, can be so indoctrinated. And, and you know, what it shows is that this, this deep hatred of uh, Jews has been simmering for decades, but now th they feel empowered. They feel like um, they can now come out of the closet and actually say what they've been thinking for years. And in, in essence, you know, they're, they're, I love the way they, they, they call it free Palestine. Um, but what they're really saying is, is, is kill the Jews. That's what they're really saying. And um, and the fact that 
that you know you have celebrities joining in this in this in, in insanity is uh, is should frighten every American because think of this: if these are the people that support these murdering scumbags that that commit the atrocities like we've never seen before, if they can outwardly say we support this, they are the enemy. They're traitors to this country. And the same thing with uh, those elected officials like Talib. Um, she should she should be tried for treason. This is this is getting out of hand. It's already out of hand. And the fact that the Biden White House has ordered the Secret Service and Capitol Police not to make arrests for people who are committing these these uh, violations as they climb the fence at the White House. They used to shoot people for that. Um, now they're not even prosecuting. So this is really sickening stuff. Wow. Yeah, to, to to take that out out another in an, in another branch, another direction. If if you think if you believe that this was that this protest was somehow spontaneous or whatever, you're a moron. Um, the I gar I can almost guarantee. I hate to say that, but I, but I feel very confident that the organizers of, of this protest have direct ties to Palestine and Hamas. And this these types of protests, as you see them develop and as they go, uh, the people, the, the, the useful idiots that they are using, the celebrities and some of these other uh, morons that have no idea what they're protesting or why, or what they're supporting by their protest, that, that they're getting jacked up to climb the fence and shake things down and whatnot, all they're all they're doing, all Hamas is doing, is sitting back and watching the response from law enforcement, because they are doing nothing but probing targets. That's what they're doing, and they're looking for opportunities to uh, to launch terror attacks in this country. And if you, if anybody else out there thinks that there that no one has come into this country through, I don't know, the southern border, uh, and 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 put you know, those, those cells, those terrorist cells in place that are waiting for opportunities to strike here, um, then you're equally stupid. All I can do is hope that's, that within the Secret Service, within the FBI, there are still people that have half a brain that see this for what it is and are taking appropriate steps to prepare for what a lot of us believe is, is inevitable uh, to happen. Um, we've said it a lot of times before that you you prepare for the worst and you hope for the best. Um, and, and I really hope that they are preparing for the worst because uh, the goosebumps on my on the back of my neck and, and, and arms are just are telling me that it's coming. All right. I think he's right, Randy. Any, well, any other words? Yeah. One other thing I'd like to say, and that is that a report came out last week that um, millions of dollars are being funneled into these protests by none other than George Soros. Once again, the evil snake is, uh, is, is putting money into another way to destabilize America. There's another guy that needs to be in prison. Yeah, his, his son's kind of taken over that effort, isn't he, uh, Randy? Isn't he kind of uh, taking taken or, or replacing the old man or... Yeah, yes, but the old man is still playing a major role, and uh, and the son has visited Biden in the White House 
like 12 times. So uh, you know that the fox is in the hen house and who's controlling who. Wow. All right. That's it's good to know. Well, guys, and, and you know, look, a, a large reason why we do the show, we want to make the people that listen to the show among the smartest people in the room when it comes to the news and the issues, not to mention the fact that we give it a, a, a law enforcement perspective, uh, which, uh, you know, we don't apologize for. There's a reason for that. And uh, so and hopefully you guys appreciate that. And we give it we give it to you straight. So our next one, lawofficer.com, Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas challenged about pulling agents off child trafficking cases to make sandwiches for migrants. That's the illegals that we're talking about here. So, yeah, the latest is that federal agents combating serious criminal offenders, they're being pulled from their assignments to prepare food for illegal immigrants. Wow. This is in the Western Journal. So a Border Patrol agent informed Missouri Senator Josh Hawley that approximately 600 special agents are being pulled from narcotic and child trafficking operations. Now that's 600 agents, 600, and to make sandwiches for people who are illegally crossing the border into the United States. Now, in the past, federal officers have been pulled to babysit, so the latest baffling decision should come as no surprise, according to our author here. As a result of the allegations, Hawley brought the misuse of these agents to the attention of U.S. Secretary of Homeland Security Alejandro Mayorkas and challenged him to uh, challenge him during a recent hearing. And I got to actually see that. Uh, despite efforts to divert the line of questioning, ultimately, DHX Secretary, he did not deny the claim, according to the video uh, of this uh, little testy exchange that they had. Um, commentary on this, guys. Or again, or any surprises, Randy? You want to start us off? Mayorkas um, should be imp Im um, impeached immediately. I, I watching him testify, uh, his his arrogance, his um, his uh, attacks on on his own organization, um, his sidestepping any questions, his outright refusal to answer questions to Congress is um, it, it, it's, un, it's incredible to me that no one has taken any action against this guy. He, he, is, he is literally tearing Homeland Security apart, and no one is doing anything. He just sits there smugly and refuses to answer questions or answers them obtusely with not really giving an answer. Um, he is a disgrace to this nation. Well, you know, I'm glad to see that some of these law enforcement personnel, at least they, they're recognized. They know it's wrong, the wrong thing they do, and they're making a stand. They're, they're, the information is getting out of there, and it's getting out there to Congress. So at least, at least it's, it's uh, I hate to say leaking out, but at least it's getting out there. So at least there hopefully will be some accountability. But you're right. Um, how this guy's still in office, of course, is the Biden administration. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll keep you guys informed and make you guys smartest people in the room when we're coming to this look it's time for our first commercial break stick with us we'll be right back you know guys motion dsp they've been supporting the law enforcement profession for over 15 years for the robust feed of video and audio redaction and enhancement software the motion dsp software is easy to use requires no specialized training or expertise and you can save valuable time with spotlights one click automating tracking feature and forensic suite of enhancement filters to achieve results quickly in just three steps import process and export a spotlight designed specifically for redaction, designed to work with video from any camera source, and using motion DSPs, algorithms, and object tracking technology, it automates the process of blurring faces and other identifiable information. It saves users countless hours compared to manual frame-by-frame -frame redaction. 
and forensic enhancement software that allows users to quickly process and analyze any video file format using Panther's super resolution algorithms and enhancement filters to reveal an unseen level of detail. And you can actually get forensically valid evidence from just low quality video in just minutes instead of hours. So you, you can learn more about all these products and all these capabilities by simply going to motiondsp.com. So hey, AU Fire stands for Accuracy Under Fire, and it's at aufire.com. So AU Fire is the gold standard in tactical simulation, and for the first time ever, agencies and Leos can safely simulate being hit by gunfire, knives, and other objects in AU Fire's dynamic force-on-force scenarios. Ever wonder how your officers would react or wish you could train them in real-world situations? And now you can, all while improving their decision-making, return fire accuracy, and life preservation skills thanks to AU Fire. So go to aufire.com, check out the cool videos, learn about the product, aufire.com. Welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. Still live from the Boss Talk Radio Studios in Plant City, Florida. You know, we left off uh, just wrapping up talking about about 600 federal agents being taken away from their, you know, assignments. You know, serious stuff like, you know, child trafficking and stuff to make sandwiches for illegal immigrants. So, uh, yeah. So uh, stay tuned. We'll, we'll keep you guys. I know David. David's shaking his head. So moving along, we got an update article on Police One, ex-Iowa officer fired after PTSD-related incident awarded $2.6 million in a discrimination lawsuit. Wow, interesting. And yes, we do have Randy on the show uh, to give us some inside scoop on this. So Des Moines, Iowa, a former sergeant for this police department will be paid $2.6 million after a jury ruled that he was unjustly fired by the department for a PTSD-related incident. This is what the Des Moines uh, Register uh, reported. And so I know you guys are thinking about automatically, yeah, that can't be legal, right? Yeah, so in June of 2021, so we're talking about two years ago, the uh, Indianola Police Department arrested then-officer Matthew Hunter for public intoxication. So another agency uh, popped him for uh, disorderly or public intoxication after he attempted to get into his truck and drive away, swearing at and threatening officers who tried to stop him, according to the report. So that incident led to his PTSD diagnosis, which was related to a 2020 death of his friend, Sergeant Joe Morgan. Now, Officer Hunter told the court that he met with police chief Dana Winger and told him that he understood that he would face consequences for his arrest, but that he hoped that he could get help um, or that he, he could help other struggling officers. So it came as a total shock to Officer Hunter when instead of a suspension or a reprimand, Chief Winger ended up firing him. Now, the officer sued, saying that his discipline was disproportionate to punishments that other officers have received for doing similar stuff, asserting that the chief rushed to his decision after he learned of Officer Hunter's diagnosis, the PTSD. So Chief Winger testified that Officer Hunter got himself fired by his own actions. But, and this is where it gets good, on Wednesday, after a week-long trial, the jury sided with the officer, Hunter, finding the city had not shown non-discriminatory reasons for its own actions, according to the report it, it awarded Officer Hunter $283,000 in back pay, $1.6 million to compensate him for what would have been his future pay, because he's not going back to work, right? And $750,000 for the past and future emotional distress. Now, here's a quote, um, and it looks like it's from Officer Hunter's attorney, David Albrecht, saying, Dismissing mental health issues only reinforces the stigma that many officers face when considering whether or not to disclose their struggles. He said that firing an officer who discloses his PTSD diagnosis sends a message, the wrong message, and presents a barrier to treatment, leaving first responders to suffer in silence. Lieutenant Randy. Okay, I know a lot about this case uh, because uh, I had I actually spoke to uh, Matt uh, at length, and um, I, I I've got I got the inside scoop on it. And here's how it here's how it came to my attention. There's there's some interesting asides here. Um, 
the officer that um, that uh, was was Matt's friend um, was featured on the television show Cops, and um, several times. And he and, and Matt were not just friends; they were partners. And uh, Sergeant Joe Moore committed suicide several years back. Um, the film crew that filmed with Joe and 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 Matt um, were the same film crew that filmed with me when I was on Cops. And so they reached out to me and and said, "Look, this man is really struggling. Um, we know the wounded blue can help." would you talk to him? And I said, absolutely. So I had a really long discussion and here, here's what happened. So his partner killed himself and he began struggling with, with post-traumatic stress issues. And he actually let the department know that he had some issues before the, uh, the arrest. Um, and they were not addressed. Then when he took the, the misdemeanor, that's what it was, a misdemeanor public intoxication. When he took that arrest, he went to the, and, and, and was uh, diagnosed with post-traumatic stress, asking for help once again. And instead the chief fired him. Now, um, the fact that he sued and was, and, and won, the, the department's still going to appeal. There's no doubt about that. But, it sends a signal, a really important signal. Now, um, here's the here's the other part of this. Um, as you know, the the Wounded Blue has a documentary film called The Wounded Blue. It's on Amazon.com, and I urge everybody to go to Amazon and see this because there is a strong correlation. Um, there was a, a a Phoenix police officer was involved in a fatal shooting, um, up close and personal. And, uh, and and began suffering post-traumatic stress. He uh, asked for help. The department basically blew him, blew him off. And then he got popped for a DUI, and the department fired him. His name was Craig Tiger. And uh, eventually, um, uh, he tried to appeal, and it didn't. Um, he didn't get his job back. And then his wife, who was also a police officer, he killed himself. And then she sued the department. And when it came out that the chief offered no help at all and actually uh, did everything to destroy this man, they fired him. They fired the chief and they created a new law called Tiger's Law, which basically says to these departments, it is your obligation to, when someone is struggling, to help them, not hurt them. And that law is in effect today. So it's very interesting that this should happen in uh, in uh, Des Moines, Iowa, um, because this chief is another one who uh, who should face the scrutiny for this. Wow. Wow. And so hopefully this is a warning message to other agencies, just a little, you know, you don't want to be in the news and be the chief running an agency or the sheriff when, when something like this breaks and have us talking about it. So hopefully it'll it'll send like little warning shots over the bow, letting every agency know that. If they're not doing it the right way now, they better be doing it by the time something pops up. So, all right. Well, look, excellent and excellent inside scoop, Randy. I, I feel like I feel like I was there when all this went down because you described it in such great detail. So, thank you so much. Um, and hopefully, the guys watching our show uh, appreciate that. You know, so we've got you know 
great talent like Randy here. He's on the cusp of all this stuff. You know, he's like having, you know, getting the inside scoop is great. So look, I've only got a couple seconds here. So let me just whet your appetite for the next story, which has got a video component. Body cam video shows moment leading up to Las Cruces officer shooting, killing a 45-year-old woman. Stick with us. We'll be right back. All right. You know, it's time to talk about Galls at Galls.com slash Leo. And certainly by now, if you guys have been watching our program, show for any amount of time you're familiar with the new galls and yes they are at galls.com slash leo and yes they are the country's leading uniform clothing equipment and gear provider for law enforcement and they have a variety of offerings everything from multi-tools and flashlights to duty boots and tactical gear you know and as our panelist captain brett bartlett says they pretty much have everything for law enforcement except for guns and ammo so corporal david i know you're a huge fan of galls you're probably on there ordering whatever you can get your hands on right now what's going on at galls this week They've got uh, another brand of duty boot on sale. They are going through boots like crazy. So that seems to be the hot ticket this this month is duty boots. You know, and duty boots are expensive. I mean, that's expensive, but they should last you. If you get a good boot, yeah. it should last you for years. But yeah. 20, 20% off. I mean, of course, and if you sign up, you get free shipping. It's it, Yeah, you're getting good deals there. Galls.com slash Leo, guys. Check it out. All right, guys. Welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. Still live from the Boss Hog Radio Studios in Plant City, Florida. You know, we uh, left off uh, talk, getting ready to talk about a story with a video component. So look for our audio listeners. You've listened to us uh, via podcast or radio. Look, stay loyal to your radio station, to that podcast. We'll describe in great detail what's going on. But if you want to watch the uh, produced version of our show that comes out the following morning at 9 o'clock on a Rumble channel, uh, you can do that, and that's where we embed the videos that we talk about, and we put pictures of the good guys and the bad guys on a Rumble channel. So those come out Tuesday through Saturday at 9 o'clock in the morning at rumble.com on the Leo Roundtable uh, Rumble channel. Otherwise, you know, you, we've got our live show Monday through Friday, 12 to 1 o'clock p.m. during the lunch hour on Eastern Time. So look, uh, we're on our favorite law enforcement video channel. This is called This Is Butter. It's at Rumble. Body cam video shows the moment leading up to Las Cruces officer shooting and killing a 45-year-old woman, but it's how this thing goes down uh, that will uh, get at least Corporal David talking. Stop! Stop! Shots fired, shots fired. So, look, the police department held a press conference on Tuesday to get more information about a 45-year-old woman that died after an officer-involved shooting earlier this month. So Police Chief Jeremy Story, he held a press conference showing the nine-minute-long video. So at about uh, 4.45 in the morning on, on October the 3rd, a Las Cruces police officer makes contact with a 45-year-old. It's a female named Teresa Gomez, and she had a passenger in her vehicle as well. Now, in the video, an eight-year veteran of the police department he shoots at least three times at Gomez uh, while she's trying to run away. And when I see run away, she's not on foot. She's driving the vehicle and, 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 and trying to get away from him. Before the shooting happens, the officer asked Gomez to step out of the car so he could ask her questions. And she denied uh, at first before complying. So Gomez tells the officer she was at a public housing complex after hours visiting a friend named Butterfly. <laughs> okay, Butterfly, yeah. So the officer then went on to explain that she was trespassing. The officer noted the passenger of the car was also a frequent trespasser in the area. 
As the video goes on, Gomez, the female, asks if she can sit back down in the vehicle. The officer who's running down the information said yes. She gets inside the car, starts it up, tries to drive away. The officer then shoots at her three times. Gomez is taken to an area hospital where she dies. Now, here's a quote from the chief, his last name is Story, saying that's a complicated question when they asked, you know, whether the shooting was justified or not. Complicated, complicated question because there are many things or factors that would go into that. There are certainly circumstances where an officer could shoot at someone who's fleeing, and it would be entirely justified and reasonable. But I don't want to draw conclusions on this case specifically. Uh, and this is what he said when asked about the protocol to shoot when someone is evading. So Jesus Garcia, 38 years old, that was the passenger in a car. He was not injured, subsequently arrested for misdemeanor and felony warrants. Gomez's lawyer, though, the girl that died and her family provided the following statement. The family alleges the officer was acting rude and belittling her. They also claim that Gomez sped away very slowly. It's funny they put the word speed in there because she was speed. Instead of saying driving slowly, she speeds away slowly. That's just kind of like, yeah, kind of like, anyhow, you know where I'm going. Corporal David, break this down for us. Um, you know, to begin with, I'm, I'm glad the chief is keeping his mouth shut and, you know, giving this statement saying we're investigating anything's possible. We'll, we'll review the case in its entirety before we make a statement. That's always good to, to see. Uh, but uh, housing project, from what I could gather, and in housing, public housing projects, in case any people are wondering, there are often very specific rules and regulations on those properties that allow police to tell people, you can't be here, you're, you don't live here, you're trespassing, leave, um, which is what these two people were apparently uh, doing. They're, they're always doing that or, or were frequent flyers in that regard. The mistake the officer made was once he got her out of the car, he let her back in. That's just, I mean, come on, brother. You, you, if Once you have control of the situation, you obviously have reasonable, reasonable suspicion to detain them and investigate what they're doing there, their, if they're trespassing and all that sort of stuff. So do it. Detain. Take the driver out. You did. You had her out. Don't let her back in the car. And then it goes south from there when she starts the car up. She initially backs up with the door open, which is what caught the officer with the open door and started to push him backwards, at which point he started to draw his weapon, but then continues to fire as she's driving away. Um, this is going to be a hurdle just by looking at the video. I don't know what his interview was. I don't know what he said, if he said anything, what statements have been made, what his perspective, what his personal perspective was on the ground. Uh, so that's that's the difference part is is the video it, it does the video does not look good uh for as far as the shootings is concerned but um at, at least i'm glad the chief is going to investigate it thoroughly before making a statement that's always a plus um but um that was the mistake once you have control don't don't relinquish it and that's what he did agreed all right good job dave well, uh, I think that uh, Randy is ready to move on to the next one, so let's do that. So thanks for breaking that down, Dave. Appreciate it. So our next one, which also has a video component, we're still at This Is Butter, our favorite video channel on, at Rumble.com. So NYPD officer shoots through a windshield at an armed suspect during a shootout and is taken into custody. So this gunman, look, there, it's a, it, there's several videos involved in this, so we're just going to cut to the chase. There's a gunman. He shot multiple times at NYPD officers. As they're in a marked vehicle in East Village Thursday. Come 
Stay down, stay down. Evening, and they're driving when this goes down. The officers were looking for a man who was said to be menacing people with a gun in uh, the uh, Alphabet City neighborhood just before 8 p.m. As the cops spot the suspect, multiple shots are fired at police. Um, he's kind of running like along a skiff on the side of the road, and uh, and he see he knows I think the cops were coming before they knew, and he, and he kind of goes around the skiff, the, the construction zone. And he kind of unloads on them, and they and they're kind of like taken off guard, and they then they're shooting through the windshield at him. Now, they, the article says it wasn't clear whether the suspect is the person who fired the shots at the officers, but in the video, it's clear. Bullet holes were seen in the windshield of the officers' SUV at the scene, but they say police said it's unclear how those shots got there. Well, I can tell you, watch the video. That was the police that put them there. They they were they were outgoing from the inside of the cruiser. Uh, these there may be some permanent ear ear uh, you know hearing loss for those officers. I think it was a male driver and a female passenger. Um, officers were able to bring the man in the custody shortly afterwards with the charges pending against the suspect who has not yet been identified. And, uh, the suspect did have another officer on foot chasing behind him. Uh, so that's, and this is all nighttime too. So it goes down very, very quickly. Uh, but the video is pretty clear. Um, any commentary on this guys, David? Yeah, this was, this was a, a, a very fascinating video to watch. The, the scenario that, that you have is basically an armed person the police are looking for. Two officers in a vehicle see him running down a sidewalk and they begin to go after him in their in their vehicle going in the same direction. There is a fenced a fenced area of some sort, like a construction zone or something, that the that the that as the officers are coming up on this guy, he goes behind it. It's situated, and you got to watch the video. The, the fenced area is situated kind of right along the edge of the sidewalk, so that as the guy is running, he goes behind. The fence, the, the police car is coming up beside the fence. The, the bad guy comes around the end of the fenced area. And at that point is when he discards the gun into the fenced area, unbeknownst to the police officers that are in the car. When he but when he comes around the fence, he turns and comes back toward the police car at an angle, just enough to make the officers, I'm certain, inside the vehicle think he's coming for us. He'd already had the gun. They, they knew he had a firearm. He'd already been engaged in shooting that firearm at people and other cops on the street and whatnot before he fled on foot. So that's in their mind as he comes around that fence and is basically facing them. Now, I don't like the tactics of the, of the driver of the vehicle. He's one hand in this, this gun. And he had it. The thing that bothers me is he had it out of his holster while he was driving. He had it in his hand. You see it kind of flash a couple times in the in the view of the camera of his body camera as he's driving the car. I, I don't like that. If you're going to do something like that, tell your passenger, get your gun out and be ready, hang out the window, whatever you want to do. But when, when this guy, we lose sight of this guy, I don't want him ambushing us. But the driver's got the gun. The guy comes around the fence, startles him, and he immediately, you can see his hand just jumping like this with the pistol as he's shooting through the windshield. And it's no wonder he didn't hit anything other than the windshield. Um, but scares the living BGs out of the bad guy who falls to the ground going, ah, please, oh, God. And that was the end of it. They took him into custody. After they finally got out of the car, it took him a couple of seconds, probably almost like a flashbang going off in that car as this guy unloaded a bunch of rounds, and they're sitting there in the car going, wow, shots shots fired. <laughs> it's good. Yeah, no kidding. They finally get out and, and go and get the guy into custody. But fascinating video to watch. I mean, you a lot of stuff going on. And you can see the dynamics and why, you know, you've got to be ready for anything in this job. 
So I got to ask you, David, what do you suppose the rationale for the bad guy making that move outside the skiff? That there wasn't anybody chasing him. I mean, the cop was way back there. I, I just didn't. Who, make who knows? To me. Who knows? He, he might have been trying to give himself up once he got rid of the gun, and uh, and startled the cops in the car. But I, who knows? All right, commercial break, guys. Our last one. Stick with us. Be right back. All right, you know. No matter how much you know about guns and ammunition or how much you think that you know, there's that knowledge gap that leaves you confused and missing the complete picture. GunLearn.com, they've taken the confusion out of learning. They've actually made it easy. GunLearn.com is the first and the only company they offer a step-by-step program that takes you from your present knowledge level to become a safe, accurate, and competent certified firearm specialist like our panelist, Captain Brett Bartlett. Now, they provide citations from federal law and ATF rulings for every point taught to ensure accuracy and their training it's approved by major forensic organizations, by law enforcement agencies, and also firearm manufacturers. Since 1996, they've taught everything that LEOs, that's law enforcement officers, need to know about firearms and ammunition to all facets of law enforcement. Now, you can start today with online training, or you can register to attend a live seminar. And you can actually get free training for yourself and the personnel at your agency by hosting a seminar at no cost. So come aboard as one of the most firearm knowledgeable people in the world by joining the folks at GunLearn.com. You'll be glad that you did. So now, if you're struggling with the ins and outs of warrantless searches and seizures, what about the liability of getting it wrong? Say hello to bluetogold.com. They translate church and seizure doctrines into clear, straightforward concepts that any officer can relate to. Plus, they give this training free thanks to bluetogold.com's free weekly webinars. So see what this week's topic's about. Head over to bluetogold.com today. Join forces with thousands of your peers in blue and step up your legal game because, frankly, you and your agency cannot afford not to. bluetogold.com. All right, guys, this is it. This is our last stretch before the end of the show. Welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show, still live from the Boss Hog Radio Studios in Plant City, Florida. So I think that we've exhausted the last topic. And and hopefully, like I said earlier, hopefully you guys can appreciate the experts we have on our show. We've got Lieutenant Randy Sutton on talking about PTSD and all and, and the intricacies involving that at the windowblue.org. Uh, there's another expertise Randy has. It'll come in handy in this next article, lawofficer.com, Florida driver cited in booty patrol vehicle so yes booty patrol vehicle so look there was a story out they were looking for this guy and i'm glad we held on to the story because lo and behold they found this dude and it's in florida of course you know mine and david's neck of the woods so the driver of a booty patrol truck in florida uh it, it's a parody on border patrol vehicles uh, it was pulled over by local police so the driver was cited by florida police on sunday under a law that bans vehicles from having similar lights of those used by law enforcement officers according to the guardian and and, and that's true it's in DeSoto counties where this thing went down. So photos of the truck were posted to Facebook by the DeSoto County Sheriff's Office in Arcadia, Florida. And it's about an hour outside of Venice in the state central region. So the white Chevy truck, which has since gone viral, has it says booty patrol on the side of it and uh, and on the back. And it's got green decals similar to Border Patrol trucks. And the truck store also features a decal that says National Booty Behavior protection <laughs> the desoto county sheriff's office posted about the truck on monday to raise awareness about the vehicle uh, which it claimed was pulling over other vehicles now in a tuesday update police clarified the driver had been pulled over on sunday and that the initial post was to ensure the public can avoid being duped by uh, these kinds of individuals supporters of the booty patrol truck though have been quick to defend the vehicle online 18-year-old Gabriel Luviano, the truck's owner, has frequently posted about the vehicle online. In an interview with USA Today, I don't know how he got that interview, but Luviano said the truck had been decorated with booty protection information for over a year. And he said, hey, it's just funny. It was never meant to be anything bad. 
Luviana also told USA Today that he never tried to pull anyone over ever, which was the allegation made by police. So that said, commentary this, of course, yeah, being a cop in Florida, we all know that you can't have lights, you can't have sirens, that kind of stuff on vehicles, you get jammed up for that. David? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm calling shenanigans on DeSoto County on this one, I think. Um, yeah. It, the truck, it was a, I'm, I'm, listen, we know how this works. The truck was an auctioned vehicle that was auctioned off by Border Patrol. When they auction off our, off, off our old police vehicles, and Chip, and you know how this works, they have the, the agency is required to strip everything off of it, all emblems, stickers, lights, sirens, everything comes off the vehicle, except for things that, you know, that, that, that they don't need to take off. And they know what they need to take off. And the only thing left on this, this truck was those were, were broad green stripes that were on the door where the Border Patrol emblem used to be attached. It's not there anymore. So this guy gets a an old Border Patrol vehicle and names it a Booty Patrol vehicle and drives around with it. Nowhere, if if it had had lights on it, illegal lights, the, the cops would have impounded his vehicle and arrested him. That didn't happen. So now I'm now I'm feeling it. I'm going, okay, I'm calling shenanigans. Some some deputy somewhere just didn't like it and said, Well, I'm gonna jam you. Mm, guys, come on. You know, do the thing just the other stuff, just kind of let it go. But somebody got their feelings hurt or whatnot and, and chased after this thing for it just was shenanigans. I'm just that's what I'm saying. All right. Randy, your take on this from the Las Vegas side. Things must be awfully slow in DeSoto <laughs> County. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm with David on this one. I'm like, what? <laughs> what I mean, I just, uh, I don't see it. I don't see it. What, what's the purpose of this? I mean, yeah. listen, I think I'd like to put booty patrol on my Corvette. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, yeah, this guy's been all over social media. Um, wasn't keeping this under wraps, him having the vehicle. So, uh, anyhow, it, it, it made for a good story to cover anyhow. But this guy got on, what, USA Today. So, I mean, you know, that's a a, a pretty good gig. And and you're right. I, I If it would have been lights, the siren, if it would have been bad, they would have impounded. That's what I, I would have been. If it would have been bad, I would have impounded the vehicle. You know, that's what we would do. But, but they didn't do that. So, yeah, yeah, there's a reason, underlying reason. So, it should be interesting how this unfolds. So, um, all right, uh, moving along here, guys. You see, we got, we got a little less than five minutes, so let's go to another story with a video component, and we're still at our favorite channel. This is Butter, who's actually on the stream conversing with us right now. LAPD. Yes, we can't we can't do a show without at least covering an agency in California. So LAPD, they release a use of force video of an officer grabbing a suspect's throat after he spits on the officer. This fool, are you fucking kidding me? But it's Are true. you fucking kidding me? I do not. Don't do that, okay? Yeah, that's right. Don't do that. Or what? Or what? Hey, make good decisions. Hey, Jesse, come on. Oh, you got to spit right? Hey, hey, hey. I'm going to go with that. You know, I'm going to go wash my face real quick. Fucking, you're fucking laughing at me. I'm not laughing at anybody. You're laughing at me. So, uh, and, and then it's almost like you realize what he did, 
Uh, but yeah, let's just see what let's just see where we're going with this. October the fourth, twenty twenty three. So yeah, just uh, days ago, LAPD North Hollywood Division officers they receive a radio call to meet the fire department for an attempted suicide. So when they get there, they see the uh, Los Angeles Fire Department uh, personnel. They're struggling to control the subject, later identified as a twenty nine year old named Jesse Bad Batten. So the officers immediately assist the uh, fire department. They're able to handcuff Batten without incident. And after Batten's placed on a rescue ambulance on the gurney, he starts getting belligerent and he slaps and he spits um, on one of the officers. So the officer uh, attempts to push him away when a uh, categorical use of force is what they call it occurs. So during the use of force, the officer had contact with Batten's neck area. You know, it was a reactionary thing. The guy spits on the officer and just grabs him by the throat to prevent the, the guy's not going to be able to get the spittle back in his mouth for round two of the spit flying through the air, right? So uh, Batten's transported to a local hospital where he's treated for alcohol intoxication. He did not sustain any injuries. He never complained of any injuries. This is the bad guy. And Batten was subsequently arrested and booked for battery in a Leo, battery in a police officer. Now, the Forest Investigation Division investigators responded to the scene, and they're investigating this incident. Um, I, I've got my own thoughts after watching this, but uh, we got three minutes, guys. Uh, any commentary? Or I can, I can, I can jump there. I, I, I didn't see much of a much of a big deal about that, but it was almost like the officer realized there's a body cam going. He's got the guy by the throat and he's at, and he kind of released the guy, pets the guy on the back goes, Oh, you're good. You're good. You know, after, you know, after he realized what he was doing, but I didn't think there was any, I didn't think there was any big deal with him, with him initially grabbing the throat. And, and, and he did take a, uh, I was looking to see them put a hood over the guy, a spittle, you know, they got those spittle hoods or whatever. He did have some kind of like a, uh, what a jog jogging, uh, jacket or something they threw over the guy's head a couple times but that's what you want to prevent is from that guy spitting in and contamination from bodily fluids because there's all kinds of serious things that come as a result of that david yeah we watched a couple different body cam videos from a couple different angles and yeah you could see the cop was and again you're dealing with a drunk idiot and you're you're leaning in there trying to be nice trying to talk to him, trying to say, hey, you know, we're here to help you, so on and so forth, whatever, whatever. He's always he's already in handcuffs, restraining him to this to this transport chair for fire rescue. And you're you're leaning in there trying to be, you know, Mr. Nice Guy. And he spits in your face. Um, the reaction is human. It's human, is what it is. And and he stopped himself, pulled back and said, I'm gonna go wash my face off and and did that. And and gladly i'm glad to see that the guy was charged in la of yeah. all places and like you said chip it there's there's nothing to this the guy got charged as he should have been the bad guy got charged and that should be the end of it um you know uh, and and lesson learned don't don't get that close to these to these drunken idiots uh once once they're restrained and yes they did put a spit hood on him after that so um good for them on that tip as well yeah that's a Great observation you made, David, because when I read the article, you're right, LAPD, I'm thinking, the first thing I look for, how far are they going to go? With it? Are they going to drop the charges is where I'm going with this? And and there was no mention of them doing that, which I was pleased to see. If this agency jams this comp up for doing that, I tell you, we are going to slam them on this show because that should that should not happen. The comp absolutely did nothing wrong. And uh, and the bad guy, anyhow, but, but the top, the cop took one for the team. He took one for the LA fire department because he took the, he took the spin around instead of you, it being listen, the firefighters. You didn't see any of the firefighters standing in front of the guy. Well, no, just the cops. Yeah. yeah. This it's is, like, yeah. And listen, if, if it's anything that's, that's being any liquid that's being projected, at least fire <laughs> out of the way of it. I mean, you know, they're, they're smart enough to do that. We, we've all been hit with rounds of spittle. I mean, you know, um, uh, you know, 
I mean, heck, I think even when Randy came into town and we were at St. Pete drinking around the bar, I think that I was hit with some spittle, you know, but that, that's a different story. That's, that's a different, different level. All right. So, uh, but it's, it's all, it's all good. Uh, yeah, we've got a, a, a few seconds left, but you know what? I, thanks guys for being on the show. We're, we're kind of out of time winding it down, but Hey, you know, Randy talked about the wounded blue, uh, a, a little bit already, but let's talk, let's go back and talk about the wounded blue and Randy, the next year's conference, tell people about that and how they can support the show on a monthly basis, uh, not the show, but the woundedblue.org monthly. Go ahead. Sure. The, the wounded blue has helped more than 14,000 injured police officers over the last five years. We have a peer support team that uh, provides incredible services to cops who've been shot, stabbed, beaten, run over, or suffering from traumatic uh, injuries, whether those injuries are physical or emotional and psychological. We're a charity. We really need your help. If you support law enforcement or you are law enforcement, show what you can do for these heroes, even if it's $10 a month. It's not even coffee money, but we desperately need your help. And if you're a cop, you're struggling, please reach out to us. The Wounded Blue, never Not forgotten, alone. never alone. MotionDSP, GallsGunLearn.com, BlueTheGold.com, Medicare.Live, Bang Energy, thanks for the fuel. Uh, the Free Press, TampaFP.com, Red Voice Media.